0: we're back. This life ain't for everybody. You know it. This podcast today is probably going to be another message of a life that isn't for a lot of people. Um, When we get into it, you're going to understand. I mean, you've heard other wrestlers on this show. You've heard the great David Taylor, the magic man. Um, You've heard several other collegiate wrestlers on this podcast. It's not a life for everybody. The wrestler that we are talking to today, I also want to get into if he likes to be referred to as a wrestler, because that's kind of a weird box to put yourself into full time. But we have Kyle dake the dake bomb i you guys look him up i know you've heard about him if you're into traditional wrestling like i am college wrestling if you know anything about this man he can absolutely pick you up and put you in your place kyle my man how are
1: you i'm good thanks for having me on
0: buddy i'm uh i'm excited to have you on i've been watching you wrestle for years and uh, one of the first things that you always think about when you, when I think about Kyle Dick, I have a really good friend that's an NCAA Division II referee that lives in Minnesota. He's a big fan of yours. Um, we always go back and forth on which wrestlers do we love to watch the most? Do we like the offensive part of wrestling? Do you like guys that, you know, keep the defense there and don't let anybody score on them? You know, Jaden had that string. You've had a string where you went, you know, you didn't get scored upon for several matches in a row in different tournaments but we always talk about what you accomplished in college. I don't know if it will ever be done again, but to win four NCAA Division One titles at Cornell in four different weight divisions, that's unheard of, right?
1: Yeah, it kind of just happened. Um, it wasn't, you know, I was probably, had I redshirted, you know, had I gone to another school and, and took the first year off, which is pretty typical for um any 18 year old who was trying to go win a national title is most of the time, you know, to take a year off. And had I taken that first year off, I probably would have ended up being a 157 pounder that following year. Um but since I was a true freshman I came in, I was, you know, I wrestled 140 in high school and they were just like, all right, you know, let's let's let it let's let it rip. You're at 141 and about in so we got through the preseason but then about november i was like i felt like i was really struggling to make the weight but for for certifications i had made it pretty easily um but you know i think it was just because i was growing i grew about an inch um from high school my senior in high school to my freshman year in college and then uh you know that following year, I was like, okay, I'll go up. I can, you know, I can make the weight. I'll, nothing will be as bad as cutting to one forty-one, and then cutting to one forty-nine was just as bad, if not a little bit worse. Uh, and then finally, fifty. You know, when I got to fifty-seven, that was probably my wheelhouse of like, you know, that's the weight class for me. And uh, you know, going going up to to one sixty-five, my senior year was kind of just like a challenge, and you know, to really help me jump levels and um, be better. And uh, you know. It worked
0: out. What are you walking around at on campus when you're when you're wrestling one forty ones?
1: Uh I was walking around at like 160, 160 ish. Um but so, yeah. <laughs> look at Here, she's here's so my daughter, cute. Ella jo.
0: Look at her, she's, she's so Ella. cute. Hi, Ella Joe.
1: What do you can you say hi? <laughs> she's Yeah, awesome. she's just a little over two now. I have another one, a six month old. She's taking a nap now. But Ella Joe's gonna go make us tacos. You gonna go make us tacos? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Okay. Can you say see you later? See you later. <laughs> okay. See you later, alligator. Go we'll, we'll make us some tacos. <laughs> go, with mama.
0: Go on. Talk to talk to me a, a little bit, Kyle Dake, about the 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 argument you hear out there in the sports world of cutting weight and the health risks. If it's done right, is it okay? Or were you actually were you Obviously, you're a smart guy. Cornell's an Ivy League school. You got a good brain on you. Your coaches are smart. They're not going to try to put you in harm's way. But how difficult is it on the body or how treacherous is it on the body to be? I mean, you're walking, you're dropping 19 pounds to weigh in. I don't know how many times a season you have to do that or if you're fluctuating from like 141 and then you're jumping back up to 55 or whatever. But what is your stance on that argument of especially the younger generations of wrestlers listening to this?
1: I would. I would recommend not cutting weight. I mean just stay up and just do your thing at you know, whatever weight you're naturally, you know, you, you have a certain height, you have a certain body type and I need you to, I need you to go. Megan <laughs> I mean you have a certain weight and certain body type. This is the the luxury of being a dad. She's just it. like she wants attention all the time. I love it. <laughs> um, daddy here. Daddy, 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 daddy. Uh, you can't say my daughters don't love me. Yeah, I love it. But, but, uh, sorry about that. Anyway, no, you're good. So I would, I would recommend, you know, not really cutting weight just because the, you know, when you, when you start to deplete yourself of water, you start to deplete yourself of electrolytes, you start to deplete yourself of nutrients, um, it, it takes a while to get all that back. And, you know, for me, you know, I'd, I'd have to make, make weight on, uh, you know, a Saturday and then the following Saturday. So I would make weight. And then that very next day, I'd be, you know, I'd like give myself a day to like get, you know, eat what I eat, what I wanted to an extent, drink what I wanted to an extent. And I would just be chugging Gatorade and water. And and back then I was, I I didn't take my diet as seriously as I do now and what what the inputs are. You know, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of advertising that goes into selling those sugary drinks and goes into selling, you know, those, those, those snacks Um, you know, and to a point, most people are like, well, if it's in moderation, well, when they say moderation, they don't mean, you know, you can have, you know, (laughs) one pack of Oreos, um, per week. That's not, that's not moderation. So, um, and that's, but that was kind of what I was doing. Like, I'd be like, all right, time to celebrate. Like I just wrestled really well Mm -hmm. and I need to let loose or whatever it is. Um, so I wasn't nearly as disciplined as I was. I was really disciplined, but I just like would let loose and get a little crazy, um, kind of week in and week out. But, um, yeah, the argument of, you know, gaining weight or not gaining weight, you know, growing or not growing, um, you know, you really gotta, you really gotta make an effort. And if you're, if you're going to do it right, there is a way to do it right. If you're going to do it right, you can do it. But, um, You know, you got to have someone who's very, very disciplined. And I wasn't that guy for a long time. But now, now that I'm older, now that I'm a dad, I have a little bit more discipline.
0: You have a discipline in a way of, of being able to follow your nutrition plan more. But at that time in your life, you're, you're winning and your body's reacting the right way, you're burning the right amount of calories, you don't slack off in conditioning. So, your mindset is I can do whatever. You know, like when I went to college to exactly. play ba- when I went to college to play baseball, Kyle, I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, I could go to the dining commons and eat whatever I want because my body was burning calories so fast." When you're wrestling, you're burning 10 times the amount of calories as you are playing baseball, right? So, like is that kind of what it was like? You're just relying on your natural talent and your metabolism?
1: Yeah, it was just like calories in, calories out. I didn't really look at you know the the nutrients, the micronutrients, all those things. Um, those are some th- those are aspects that were just like, oh yeah, don't worry about those. Like, I'm gonna make the weight. I'll be fine. You know, I'm gonna get enough. You know, I eat I eat well enough. I'll be good. And you know, I get I get a, I get some romaine lettuce on my on my burritos. And you know, I get uh, so I got some greens there. I you know I have an onion. You know, some onion on my burrito too. So I'm good. But just looking back is like man, and I feel like I could have felt so much better, been so much more dominant. Um, and that's where i have you know, these past few years I've really honed it in, and you know, become a lot more disciplined. Really, in 2015 was was really the time that that all happened.
0: You just qualified for the Olympic team. You beat, you shut out, you swept one of the most prolific USA team members in the history of the sport, in my opinion, in Jordan Burroughs. The guys been on the the usa team for i don't know over a decade now maybe he's represented the olympics he's won olympic gold he's an ncaa i mean the guy's done it right um i want to i want to talk a little bit about that time in your life of do of what it felt like when that happened but right now you said that you wrestled with dt this morning just training and you're you're down you're down on a mat and you're wrestling give me an idea of your nutrition. Now you look like to me right now, looking at you on this screen, you look very, very lean to me. Like not, you look leaner than I've ever seen Kyle Dake. Look, is that normal for coming off of the, the, the Olympic trials? Didn't you want to gain a little bit of water weight back? Cause you look extremely lean right now. So what are you eating? What's your nutrition like right now?
1: Yeah. So we are about four weeks away from the Pan Am championships. And like I said, I gotta be pretty disciplined if I want to perform at the level that I know I can, um, you know, and that was a big reason why I went 79 the past two years was because it was more, you know, in my, in my weight range where I didn't have to cut much. Um, it'd be like the last couple of days where, um, I'd really have to watch, watch how much I was putting in, um, to make the weight. So, but now, you know, it's extra five kilos, uh, down. So four weeks is about when I start to like, okay, you know, I probably shouldn't have that extra taco. I shouldn't have that you know, that extra slice of watermelon or whatever it is, you know, just like start to slowly bring it down a little bit further. And, but when I have like hard training periods, like last week we were in Colorado Springs, we had a pretty hard training period. And then this week being here with David, um, he's huge. So I, I try to stay a little bit bigger, um, just so I can handle the mass that, that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. So, um, but my diet, you know, in the morning I'll usually have, uh, some eggs, some leftover protein, whether it be, uh, venison or beef or fish or, um, pork or whatever we have. Um, and then we'll go, we'll have sweet potatoes, um, a, you know, green salad for, for, for lunch. Um, maybe some nuts, some cashews or something like that. Um, a ton of water, bone broth, um, try to get as much organ meat as I can. Um, you know, that night, usually we have, a leaner meat. Um, usually a lot of the time it is red meat. Um, so I got my first deer this past year. So we have a bunch of venison, um, that we cook up and do roasts. And we have, I'm actually giving David the backstrap or part of the backstrap tomorrow. Wow. He's like, oh, medicine? medicine I've never had. Fine. Fine. Of course. I was like, all right, well, I appreciate you letting me come down. And that's kind of just like a thank you, but hopefully he'll let me eat something. He's got his, uh, he's got a smoker. So, I've never done it on a smoker, but he seems to think he'll make it pretty
0: good. Oh, we got to get you a Traeger, Dave. Yeah, well, I probably
1: should get one,
0: huh? Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk. All right,
1: sounds good.
0: Well, that that backstrap of a of a whitetail deer or a mule deer, whatever it is, is awesome on a Traeger. But um, it sounds to me like very high protein, the right starches, lots of hydration. Explain to me real quick before we move on to burrows of the broth is this because of sodium and hydration the beef broth that it's also something that kind of curves your 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 cravings for other stuff because like i've been doing the carnivore diet um Chad Mendez from the UFC, he's a wrestler, you know, the name Chad Mendez, I'm sure he's a stud. He's been doing it 60 days and it's helping him out. He's leaned out big time. It's helping some stuff with his skin, but he told me, Hey, just take a couple spoonfuls of, of beef broth at night. And it's, it helps me because instead of me going and plowing through a stick of salami, I'm like, Oh, that suffices, right? Is that kind of what that broth does to a wrestler?
1: Um, so I guess the, the initial part is I like, got, well, I try to eat nose to tail. So, you know, try to eat every part of the animal is kind of like where I'm at and with the bone broth, what it, what it'll do. Like if I, instead of having like a cup of coffee, like a midday cup of coffee or something like that, I'll just have bone broth instead. And it'll just like curb my, my appetite for a long time. Cause it's like a fat bomb. So, you know, most of the time, if you go to the store and you buy bone broth, it doesn't have that like thick cap of fat on top of it. Whereas if you make it yourself, which is what we do um, you know, we just have like that, that that nice fatty fatty substance to it too which makes it just ridiculous my my little my my oldest daughter will just like make sure we if we don't have any she's just freaks out she's like dad you you're not you're not gonna let me have bone broth this morning what are we doing so it's pretty funny
0: yeah i love doing it with like the like beef ribs uh beef prime rib we did a bunch of broth uh we do a lot of it with our ducks and geese to where we'll take that, we'll render the duck fat and then make a broth with that, and it's oh my gosh, it's like, and then, and then you can put it, you know freeze it and use it in a ton of recipes, you know, throughout the season or throughout the year. You, yeah, you 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 are participating in probably the most disciplined. I don't know if there's a harder sport in the world. I don't. I I look up to wrestlers because to be able to do that at that level is amazing to me. Right. And I don't, I, you don't need anybody to tell you how good you are. I'm not trying to say that. What I'm trying to say is that it's, it's a game that's, that's different for me because one, you're, you you do have a team, but you're on your own. You do have a coach, but you're on your own. It's the foundation of the oldest sport in the world, right? In the Roman days of the Olympic games. And to see that it was almost canceled by the Olympics was unbelievable to me. And I'm so thankful that it wasn't, but um, you have a, a foundation that is literally like tenfold Kyle Dake and what i mean by that is if you i saw you throwing hands the other day and let's say you did decide to go that route someday There's nothing worse in fighting than a wrestler that can take you down with a double egg and then and then have fists. There's somebody that can throw, make you think he's coming with the overhand right like Hendo would, hit you with a double egg, or the opposite where Hendo's a collegiate wrestler at Oklahoma State and he's a Greco-Roman Olympic uh, alternate with Randy Couture in them. He fakes a double egg and then he comes over the top with the H-bomb and absolutely levels people, right? So the foundation that wrestling gives you is amazing at that next level of the fight game in MMA, but also in life. The mentality, the discipline, the leadership skills, the, the focus, you know what I mean? Like that being able to conquer diversity, being able to adapt puts me in this position. Like there was that match with DT at the Olympic trials when he was, when he was wrestling that two time NCAA champion from now, I can't remember. It was one of his last matches. He beat him. He beat him four to nothing um cornell guy. yeah cornell guy he was a cornell yeah, guy and Gabe, that
1: gave Dean his my training partner
0: yes great i was like damn yeah. this guy this guy is showing out against dt but every time he would put a move on dt he adapted and countered it that was a very counteractive match for david taylor wasn't real yeah. high offense for him so the, wrestling teaches you all of this and that's why i've always had this this passion and love for it because i don't think there's another sport that, that pushes your mind and your physical ability the way wrestling does.
1: Yeah. Everyone, you know, I, I forget who said it, maybe it was Gable or someone like that, but you know after you wrestle, everything else in life is easy. Well, you know, life is really hard, right? Everyone's got something. Everyone's got their own problems that they're dealing with and they're trying to solve and figure out and, and get through. And you know, going through wrestling practice is kind of like artificially putting you through life, you know, in the, in the beginning, you're kind of walking around, you're having a good time. And then all of a sudden you start going and, you know, it gets a little bit harder and then, you know, you're trying to do stuff that's not working. And, and then, you know, finally it's just like, okay, we gotta, we gotta butt heads here. We're, you know, we're two bulls. We're, we're hitting each other now. And you kind of just go and go and go and go and go. And you're dead tired and you don't want to go anymore. And then coaches over there saying, all right, Let's go again. So, you know, life kind of throws all these obstacles at you all the time just to test you, and I think wrestling really helps you prepare for that, and obviously there's, you know, certain things in life that you just can't prepare for, but, um, you know, I feel that wrestling has set me in a, in a really strong trajectory to be able to handle anything that's thrown at me.
0: What t- – describe to me, before we get back into the, the Burroughs match, describe to me the pressure – that you put on yourself as a man, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a son, you're a teammate, you're a student, you're this, you're that, right? But you are known, and I'm not saying, again, I started this conversation by saying, I don't even know if you want to be known as a wrestler, okay? On your headstone someday in 80 years, you wanted to say, he was a great father and a great mentor and a great husband. I get that. But when you're at Cornell and you know that you're like on the road to – history right You're like if you know if you win this fourth title there's not many people that win four titles let alone at four different weight divisions right You have there's great Olympic wrestlers John Smith is probably one of the most notarized you know famous Olympic wrestlers of all time you got Dan Gable you got Kale that was undefeated amazing career but at four different weight divisions, how much pressure were you putting on yourself? Did you see a change in yourself? Did your grades go down? Was it hard to concentrate on anything but wrestling? Were you closed off to friendships and fun and your parents, or was everything hunky-dory and you're just like, I'm gonna go whip this dude's butt tomorrow?
1: It was kind of, you know, not not everything took the back burner. I still I still was an academic all American that year. I was still, you know, my, I was with my wife. I've been with my wife since high school. Um, and, you know, we were still together in college and, you know, my parents were right there. So they were there supporting me all the time. You know, I was still going to my brother's football games. Um, you know, that was his senior season. And, you know, so I was still living my life, but it was just like, everything was really concentrated and, you know, okay. You know, we have practice, nothing else matters. Like, oh, I have to, you know, you're supposed to have office hours here. Call the teacher like, Hey, I can't come. I have practice. Is there another time that I can come? And, you know, all the teachers kind of, you know, professors knew like, Hey, you know, he's trying to do something that's never been done. It's going to really help the university and and put their name out there. And, um, it just looks good for us. So I went in, you know, day one of the first semester and, and day one of the second semester and we we're talking to my teachers and just letting them know like, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. And, and this is really important to me. I'm not trying to say that your class isn't important, but, um, you know, I, this is, this is really, really important to me. And, um, I'm going to do my best to, to make sure that I keep you in the loop, but, um, you know, this is going to take priority. And I think the honesty for the professors were like, Oh, this guy's not trying to lie to me and tell me his you know, his grandma's really sick and he can't come to more, you know, 8am class, you know, he's willing to show up at eight and then, you know, get the work done as best he can and then go to practice. So, um, you know, that was, that was where I was at. It was just really important for me to have open communication and everyone was, everyone had my back. You know, I'm from I'm from Ithaca, New York. So all those professors have seen me in the newspaper coming up through, and you know, yeah, you know, they kind of, made, you know, obviously they made it a pretty big deal throughout the whole season, um, and it was it was pretty cool to have to have everyone on my back.
0: You're from that part of the country. Was there ever a part of? Did you start at Cornell? It's forgive me for not knowing, but your redshirt season was at Cornell too, correct?
1: So I didn't register. So I, I grew up in Lansing, New York, which is the next town North on uh Cayuga Lake. It's one of the finger lakes. Um, so Ithaca is at the bottom, the South end of Kyuga Lake, just North on the, on the East side is Lansing. So I grew up there. My dad coached at Cornell for a few years, and then he decided to move and be the Lansing high school coach. So I wrestled for my dad um, all the while going to Cornell camps every summer I'm um, going to all the Cornell matches so I was you know I I grew up as a Cornell wrestler and you know I got good enough grades to where I could get in and as soon as I graduated high school I moved on to campus and started you know just going and I was at practice every day trying to learn get my butt whipped and then day after day I would just keep coming back for more keep coming back and and eventually I was wrestling these guys really hard and I was, then I started beating them and I started making those improvements and um so I had always been attached to the program and have been there literally, literally my whole life. Wait a
0: minute. So <clears throat> how did we start this conversation off then, Kyle, if I mi- misunderstood you? I thought you said that you did take a red shirt and a lot of people do. You didn't.
1: No. So a lot of people do take red shirts. That's why it was different for me because I didn't take one. Wow. So I was, the, I was the first one to win four NCAA titles at four different weight classes with no red shirt. And which is kind of unheard of true freshmen winning, NCAA titles is not, not very common. Um, you know, but it's happened and, and repeating it is not always easy. Pat Smith won as a true freshman and then had to take a red shirt. Um, one of the years, I forget why he took one, but Kale took a red shirt. Um, Logan Stever who, who won took a red shirt as well, two red shirts, I think. Um, but you know, obviously he's not taking anything away from him for being a four time NCAA champion. It's still pretty awesome. So.
0: So now you're one year out of high school as an 18-year-old kid wrestling at Cornell in the Ivy League in Division I, and you win a title. My question to you before I set, before I got educated on that was, there's a lot bigger wrestling programs in the country right now than Cornell. You got Oklahoma State's back then. You had the Penn State's. You had several schools that are known for—and I'm not saying that Cornell isn't. But did a part of Kyle Dake, did your mentality or psyche ever say, man— I need to be over with Kale or I need to be down with John Smith or one of those more traditional, like Iowa, the Hawkeyes. That's probably the most, is that, is that probably arguably the most recognized wrestling program in the history of America? I know what Kale's doing now, but would you say it's the Iowa Hawkeyes?
1: Yeah. I mean, they're probably the most storied program. Oklahoma state's right there too. I mean, they've had, you know, they, before Iowa went on their big run, they had a bunch, you know, a bunch of team titles. And then even after, um, Iowa, after Gable left, Oklahoma state started winning again. Um, but yeah, no, those, those two programs were huge, but in high school, I was kind of like, you know, I was at small, I was, went to a really small school. So I wrestled in small school. Um, I never won Fargo. I never, I made a world team, but it was in Greco. I won the NHSCA nationals, but it was just age division. So like, there was always an excuse as to why it wouldn't fit in there. And my style, like my style wasn't really like this high powered. So I wasn't attacking the legs all the time. So Oklahoma State was like, ah, the, you know, he's more defensive. We don't really need him. Um, Iowa never picked up the phone. Penn State never picked up the phone because they had David. So they go, like, oh, Kyle and David are going to be the same weight. Like, we don't, you know, we're not going to do that. And then uh, Ohio State called, but they had recruited the guy. And they had Logan Stever, but then they also recruited the guy that beat me my junior year in high school. So they thought they got the better New York kid and uh, so I just never got the call, but I think everyone kind of knew that I was gonna go to Cornell and Cornell was really good i mean they had they had the you know longest conference championship streak going on for a long time, and you know they were producing national champions pretty much every year um you know 2005, 7, 8, 9, 10. and then I was there so i I felt like I could win there, but yeah, I felt like that was that was going to just be the place for me. I didn't really, I I looked at a couple, like one other place, Binghamton, which is about an hour from me, but I wanted to stay close to home. I wanted, you know, I wanted the familiarity aspect of it all. And, you know, it just worked out
0: 137 and four. Is this the correct college wrestling record?
1: Yeah, I think so. Do you so, know?
0: Can you name all four of your losses?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I lost to, uh, my first loss was to Reese Humphrey from Ohio state. It was in overtime. I felt like it wasn't a takedown, but or wasn't shouldn't have lost, but I did. Um, and then I lost to this other kid, Zach Bailey from Oklahoma. And then that was my freshman year. And then I didn't lose after the Las Vegas tournament. And then uh I lost to uh the next year I lost to my old teammate, my old high school teammate, his name's Donnie Vinson. Uh he actually coached at Cornell for a few years. Uh good dude, really good dude. Good great wrestler. Um, just awesome dude and at the conference my sophomore year I lost to a guy named Kevin Lavalley. um never wrestled him before and then all of a sudden just like blew it and you know but anyway I'm over it kind of as you can tell but those were the that was the last time I lost <laughs> in college for sure
0: not one loss after your sophomore year though
1: yeah no I went undefeated after that um yeah it was pretty cool I, I mean, I wrestled a lot of matches. I, you know, obviously in the summertime I wrestled. I lost. Um, I, I tried to go seniors and, and didn't perform. But um, yeah, that's that was the last time. It was a pretty storied career. I mean, I had a lot of support going into it the whole time. And, but it was it was awesome.
0: When you start thinking about your record in college, how? How does it af- affect you looking back on that? Of is there anything that you would change about? Obviously, I'm not talking about the undefeated if you went undefeated, but do you think that you lived the life, the, your best life of those four years? Because we're talking about a time in your life that you made history. Do you feel that you got everything out of it that you wanted to in those four years at Cornell?
1: Personally, I think I did. I think that, you know, my, after I won my senior year, I ended up like actually meeting other people. Most of my friends were all just wrestlers or other athletes who, you know, were of the similar mindset, like, you know, pursuing athletic excellence with academic excellence. And, you know, there was, there's a huge Greek life on campus. That never really interests me. Um, you know, there was all sorts of different clubs and things you could do, but th- those never really interested me. Um, So I don't think I I missed out. But if you were to ask a typical uh, college student, like, hey, you know, what does college mean to you? What does that look like? Um, You know, they would have saw my life and they would have been like, that is nothing I want to be a part of. But for me, it was, you know, it was exactly what I wanted.
0: I love it. So no do overs, no regrets. Not counting the, I know, I know the LaValle and, 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 and what you're, in what you're talking about with the losses. Because, I mean, listen, let's just get it out there, right? Kyle Dake, you're four, you're four matches away from like being considered the best all time wrestler in the history of college. I'm not saying that you're not in that list, but Chell's up there a lot because of his record, right? But yeah. you, now it's a no brainer. You're a four time NCAA champion with no losses and 141 wins. Does this, does this ever cross your mind at this time in your life, even though after all the success you've been having after college?
1: You know, I, I I don't, I don't think so. I mean, those losses were really important and they kind of like slung shot me ahead because it was, you know, when the going got really tough and, and, you know, that was really tough for me. Those, those first two losses, um, you know, I, I had a horrible weight cut. I was just like, I was hurting really bad and I felt like I still should have won. And I lost in overtime both those times, but it like, was like, Hey dude, like even when you're feeling like crap, you know, you feel like 40% of what you should be, you're still out there and you're almost getting done. So I think it gave me some confidence moving forward. Like I can, I can do anything. Like I can, I can hang, I can hang with anybody. And it doesn't matter how I'm feeling, you just gotta go. And there was definitely some times where I wasn't feeling good at the NCAA tournament and you had to gut it through. Yeah, you, you know, you had to gut it out and, and go make it happen. So that was uh that was something that I I think I cherish more than most people would, you know, like to admit. It's like, well, those losses shaped me. They they made me better and they pushed me, pushed me to be better.
0: Please educate myself and the audience, Kyle Dake, on your history with one of your best friends in the sport. I assume David Taylor is one of your best friends, if not your best friend in the sport. Tell me your yep. history because there's some really cool history competitively between the two of you, even though you do even though you are great friends now, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I would say David's probably my best friend uh in, in the sport of wrestling, for sure. Just from the the shared, you know. Spotlight, you know, David had this huge spotlight on him his entire career, and um, you know, I I started to feel that when I started winning NCAA titles, and you know, we started getting onto world, you know, national teams together, and then world teams together, and now Olympic team together. Um, but yeah, so David is from Ohio. My family is from Ohio, and every Thanksgiving we would go out, and we go out a couple of days early before Thanksgiving, and it would be you know right in the middle of the season. And you know, you gotta be training. So I wrestled David at nine. I think it was 98 pounds in Fargo. We were freshmen. Um, it was before our freshman year. And, uh, he, he was, he had already won cause I think he was a second year cadet that year, but he had already won two Fargo titles, I think. And, uh, I wrestled him in Greco and back then the rules were kind of wonky. It was like the period, the three period rules, and I threw him for five. So I won one period. And then I headlocked him to his back, had him pin. He grabbed my leg and rolled me over. This is my favorite story to tell about David. Cause he's like, oh no, ref didn't see it. Ball don't lie. <laughs> I was like, he's son of a gun. <laughs> um, but uh, so then I end up losing, you know, I lost that period and then lost to him again. I think I gave up a trap arm gut or something. And then in freestyle, he dusted me. He, he like, you know, he made sure there's no doubt. Um, but that was after that, my, my dad or my mom was sitting right behind Big Dave Taylor and they were talking about, you know, oh, where are you from? Ohio, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the the connections were made and, um, you know, they exchanged phone numbers like, hey, if we come out to Ohio, Kyle would love to come train with them. And, uh, so they kind of, my, you know, the parents kind of background set it up. And then once we got together, you know, we were just both high energy. We had, you know, we just wanted to go, go, go. And, you know, we quoted, watched Talladega Nights probably a million times. And that's where David got his name, Magic Man. And it was just kind of cool, you know, from there. And then we we didn't compete again until my senior year in 2012, the All-Star Classic. Or no, sorry, 2012 Olympic Team Trials, we competed one time. So I had just won. At 157, he had just tech fall everybody at 165, and um, that was his sophomore. Yeah, that was his sophomore year. And then we wrestled on the backside on some corner mat, and you know he was in a shot. I, I think I cut him back and ended up pinning him. But you was, pinned was, David
0: Taylor. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That not many people can say this. Correct.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think he, and I don't think he's gotten pinned since. since. Yeah, I think I was the last person to pin him. I'm gonna have to ask him that. I'm gonna get. I'm probably gonna call him and and right after this interview and see if I was the last person to pin him or not. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So we wrestled there, and then we wrestled at the Austin Classic, Southern Scuffle, wrestled at the NCAA Championships, wrestled at the World Team Trials in 2013 and 15, um, wrestled at the Open in 16, wrestled at the Trials at C- in 16, um, and then that was the last time we wrestled. I was in uh, trials at 16 because then I ended up going back down to 74 kilos in 2017. And then 18, I was at 79, he was at 86. 19, he was hurt, I was at 79. 20, no season, 21, on the team together.
0: So, what's your overall record against the Magic Men?
1: Including those. So, I think he beat me another time when we were kids um at the ohio tournament champion so i think it was, he has three wins over me and then i have i don't even know seven maybe over him S- seven and three i think so
0: i wonder if there's a part of david taylor that wishes you guys were in the same weight division for the olympic trials and he had a rematch against you he i'm, can't I'm be, sure there is he can't I'm, be he can't be digesting that very well in my opinion
1: I, I think we've moved on and we moved past it. And what, you know, once you win a world title, it's kind of like, all right, you know, we're we're cool. We want it together, and we really did. I mean, you, as competitors, we really pushed each other to be better. But as teammates, we pushed each other even even harder. You know, just because we we're able to tr- you know share our secrets and and really like oh like open our eyes so that we can you know this is there's this new door that was just unclear to me. And, you know, he just opens it. And it's like, Oh, okay. There's this whole mother space that we have to navigate so that when I get out on the mat and I'm wrestling a Russian or whoever, um, you know, I'm like, okay, I remember this situation with David. Now I know what to do. So I think that that's something that's special. And, um, I really appreciate.
0: I want to say this in like the most respectful way that I can, because We've taught we've already said the name Jordan Burroughs, but there's there's something to be said about a guy. I guess first of all, Kyle, in athletics, there's always that time in an athlete's life to where they kind of know it's coming to the end. It happened with BJ Penn, but then they come back and they're like, I still got this fighting desire, but their body's just like, I can't do it anymore. Their mind's telling yeah. them I'm still BJ Penn that whipped Matt Hughes' butt and, and choked Matt Hughes out, who had ungodly strength and was a freaking stud wrestler out of Illinois. Um, not University of Illinois. I don't I don't remember where he went, but it um, happens all the time with athletes. They don't know when to say it's enough. I don't consider Jordan Burroughs at that time in his career. He is built like a Greek God. Let's just, you know, in a, in a nice, respectful way, the dude has been in like GQ, I think, or on the cover of Sports Illustrated for physique. <laughs> Wasn't he one of the best physiques in the world last year or two years ago? Do you remember that?
1: I forget what it was. I, I think it was in the top 50. Top was, 50. is in there, yeah. I don't remember he look, what it He's looked. in
0: amazing shape. The guy's mentally tough as they come. You did not beat a guy at the end of his rope is my point in saying this. Okay, you beat one of the best wrestlers of all time, and you swept him. I think three one three two or three oh three two in the in the Olympic trials last month in Fort Worth, Texas. Do you s- spend countless hours breaking down video on Jordan Burroughs, or do you already know so well, have seen him wrestle live so many times in the past decade, being around him so much? What you have to do going in there?
1: I have competed against him a bunch. Um, and then also, you know, studying video and, and really, you know, most recently, I guess it was in 2017, 18 and it's 2017, 2018, um, really trying to, uh, mimic a lot of what he does, a lot of his movements. And, you know, what I used to do great, if you go back and watch in 2017, 2016, my defense is just really, really good. And I would stand in front of people and say, bring it on. And I would just stand there. And they would shoot. I'd catch them, and then we'd wrestle. Um, and that just didn't feel like it was sustainable. So I ended up, you know, finding this this guy. Um, he has a company called Functional Patterns. His name's Naudi Aguilar, and he he had this different vision for you know what what I should be like. Because he would come in and practice and see me wrestle, and he'd be like, "Why don't you do that? What you just did, move my feet really well all the time." And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, we need to figure that out. Like, we need to figure out how we can make you move your feet and you know get you to go in and out and be more offensive. So we're still in the process. I, I'm I don't think I'm anywhere near my complete form of, of what I can be as a wrestler, which is very exciting for me and probably not very exciting for my competition because I feel like there's many facets of my game where I can improve upon. And you know, what Naughty does is he just, you know, breaks everything down from from a human perspective, you know, what are humans meant to do? Walk, run, and throw. How can we take those? How can we make you an excellent walker, excellent runner, excellent thrower, and put that into the sport of wrestling? What are the mechanical drivers that are there? How does, how is it supposed to sequence so that you get the most potential out of your body in order to do that? And nobody in the world is doing that right now. Nobody, nobody can even come close to the way he sees the human body. And, he had to learn wrestling as well. Like he had no exposure to wrestling. And then he finally got it when I was just, I wouldn't leave him alone pretty much because I was in a ton of pain and I, I was just looking for any answer. And I followed a couple of his videos. He got me out of pain. And then all of a sudden, you know, we had this pretty cool relationship and he was just like, all right, well, I think I can make you a better mover. What do you think? And I was like, let's do it because I had so much trust in him. Cause he, he really, he really threw away all my pain that I was, that I was, chronic pain that I was dealing with, which was with, which was pretty awesome.
0: So this man, what's his name again? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> his name is Naudi Aguilar. He's, Aguilar. uh, he's from Washington state. Uh, he started a company called functional patterns in 2009. Patterns. And, um, he was based out of Seattle for a while. That's where I found him. And then he moved to Kauai and he has practitioners all over the world. Um, he does courses, he has online courses But yeah, he, you know, the reason I found him was because I was, I was dealing with some knee pain and some elbow pain and some hamstring pain, and I watched his videos and they were, you know, at the time they were on YouTube and he, he left them up there for a while and I watched them, probably ten minute videos and my hamstring had never felt better before, my elbow felt better, my knee felt better. I was like, what is this? What is he selling? Like, what? I want to buy everything he's got. And he's like you know, I'm just trying to help people. I was like, Holy moly. And I just started pestering him. You know, he, he happened to accept my friend request on Facebook at the time. Cause Facebook was, was all we had. Instagram wasn't what it is now. And, and, and neither was Twitter. So I ended up, you know, being able to go out and, and really pursuing this. And, um, I asked the right questions, you know, and, and he was, he wasn't looking for someone that was like, Hey, you know, can you make me stronger? I was like, Hey, my rib cage is messed up in this way and this way. Like, is there any way that you can fix it? And he was just like, all right, this isn't a typical, typical athlete. He he wants to actually fix some problems and, and deal with some dysfunctions. Let's, let's help him out. So, you know, that's, that's how I got started with him, but it's been, you know, obviously we've, the company and myself have, have grown up and, and really adapted to the new times and I'm just super thankful to have those guys in my corner.
0: When you start talking about a guy that can take the human body and break it down scientifically and biologically like you're describing and you start learning your body. Like I do it a lot. Like it used to be Advil. Well, no, I can roll out right now. I can do this stretch. I can roll out my IT band. I can roll out my lats. I can do stuff with my deltoids. I can do a lot of stuff with my body. I can actually get rid of headaches now instead of just taking Advil based on understanding Proper mechanics and movement and functionality of the body like you're talking. But in wrestling, we're also dealing with something called mentality and focus and discipline and tenacity and the psychological part of the nervous system and, you know, the body as a whole. Does a wrestler like Kyle Dake ever need to seek... Help in this area? Is it, does it, is the mentality of a wrestler so tough that you don't need a life coach or a psychiatrist to let you focus or let you have a therapist once a week to get rid of the stress or the things that are bothering you to keep your mind clear? Does that help at all? Or do you just need the body part of it?
1: I think everything starts with the body. Um, obviously, I have my wife, my parents, you know, friends and family that are close to me uh, who, you know, who really support me when times do get tough um but i think you know the the best thing that you like he said if you have a headache knowing where to release that tension and and what you can do um you know every movement that you do should be therapeutic um you, you know you shouldn't you know everyone's like oh you know no pain no gain um and i used to be that way and now it's like if there's you know there's different types of pain if you know are you does it feel good? Like it's, you know, decompressive. Is it feel like it's creating a new length potential that you didn't have? Is it feel like you are, you know, being able to to connect muscles in a way that you never had before? It should feel good. And, you know, if you can, if you can reorient your tension, your, your body's just like all of your joints, all of your cells just feel like they can breathe. They can get the, the amount of fluid that they need to those areas. Like if you, you know one of the easiest tests that you can do is you just take your elbow or your thumb or a lacrosse ball and you just push it into your shin bone leave it there for maybe a minute and then take your finger off and is there an indentation there well yeah most of the time there is an indentation how long does it take for for that to come back and for me i was i mean i was struggling i was struggling bad and it was like you know five, 10 minutes, and was still not coming back. Now I do it, and it's, like, back in, like, 20 seconds. So it's, like, how can I get the amount of fluid that I need to where it's supposed to be, and what does that even mean? Like, like what does that, what does that, what does it mean getting fluid to the areas? Like, what, what does that even mean? And a lot of that is just, like, okay, well, can I, can I hydraulically pump my blood somewhere so that I can get nutrients to that spot? And it's definitely way more complicated than that, but, at the same time, like the results that I've gotten in terms of pain, in terms of performance, in terms of movement, in terms of like you know conditioning, all that stuff, it's just been incredible. And if I can just fall back on my training and fall back on my cross training, like I'm, I feel great. I feel awesome.
0: So functionality, are you telling me this, Kyle Dake, is the the starting point? of your ability to beat jordan burroughs of understanding your body and getting out of pain first and then it goes to your talent and your ability to shoot on him or to be an offensive or defensive wrestler against arguably again arguably the best one of the best wrestlers of all time in modern day for sure
1: yeah i mean if you you know you're building a house and you know you have your foundation set but you know the the cinder blocks aren't lined up perfectly and you know you start building you start building you start building and then all of a sudden the walls are good but they're not perfect and the brick you laid for your chimney is good but it's not perfect and then all of a sudden you know you get this huge test you know you call it a tornado of jordan burroughs um sorry about that you call it a tornado of jordan burroughs what is you know is your house going to hold up and for me you know, I had to, I had to go back and, and brick by brick, put it back together. And I was started at, you know, started with my foundation. It was like, well, what do you do really well? Okay. This part of the wall looks good. We need to do some serious repairs to fix your knees, to fix your shoulders, to fix your hips. Like we need to fix these things before we even think about putting muscle on it. Like you need to be able to get hit these ranges of motion. And right now you are, you're going through way too many ranges of motion. Like I, you know, if I was, my range is supposed to be from here to here. And this is, this is flexible. This is like not flexible. I was way down here, way too flexible. I was like, a contortionist, And it was like, okay, well, how do we fix that? Well, I'll just tighten them up, up the muscles. It doesn't work like that. You know, there's very specific sequences that you need to do to be able to, to fix yourself.
0: So you don't want to be over-flexible as a wrestler either. You want to be somewhere in the middle. You don't want to have tight hamstrings. But So what I've learned about flexibility is it can be overrated. You don't need to go in and overstretch all of the time. Warming up and understanding your body is way more key than the old days when it was all the 30-minute the, the warm-up and baseball practice or basketball and hamstrings and somebody pushing your leg back over your head and, and all of these movements. You're saying that there is a such thing as too much flexibility?
1: Of course. I mean, if you're you take the most flexible people in the world, who are the mo- like? If I tell you to pick someone who's flexible, who are you going to choose? Like, just a mo- gymnast, people who do yoga. Like, how much power are they able to produce? Like, are they moving other humans? Like, no. Like, they 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 might be able to do it in a specific context, but if you're like ridiculously flexible, you're losing power, and the reason is because your your length potential is gone you know you're you're like a rubber band if you pull the rubber band back and you just hold it there and you know you let it dry out is it gonna have that same snap back no but if you pull it back and you let it go you pull it back and you let it go eventually it could be a problem if you don't take care of it you know but our muscles are like those rubber bands you got to take care of them and you can't pull them back too far you pull them back too far they snap and if you don't pull them at all you know if you're super hypertonic well you're not going to be able to create that snapback so there is a there is a range of motion that you want to hit and it's you know how can you be most optimal and you know that and david and i were talking about today actually is like the stuff i do really well david can't do the stuff that david does really well i can't do yet i'm figuring it out because like i'm the guinea pig like i'm literally studying film and like watching david all the time like how can i you know what what mechanical drivers am i missing that allows David to do this but doesn't allow me to do that like what's going on are my shoulders you know are my shoulders not flexible enough is it because of my rib cage is because of my neck what's going on and you know the more we talk about it and the more i look at it through this lens um you know it's been making a huge difference for me
0: I think Jordan Burroughs has been quoted as saying something like, in order for me to live my dreams, I have to crush theirs. There's some quote out there, and David reminded me of it one day. When you wrestle somebody like that, and you've had the success that you've had in your career— Is there any emotional tie-in to seeing him not make the team and knowing that you are responsible for that? I know that you're happy as hell to be on the team. I'm not trying to make this sound like, well, you know, we're all created equal and we all get a participation award. I know that there's champions and there's not champions. I get that mentality. But what went through your mind? Do you feel a little bit sorry for breaking that streak for him?
1: I mean, at the end of the day, he's had his time and he's had his opportunity. You know, there's... And and I think this is something that's really, really been important to me is, uh, uh, you know, we have, we, we have never had an equal opportunity to wrestle the world championships. It's a team USA wrestling. It's always one guy gets to go, you go out, you lay down the line. Well, I never had an opportunity to lay down the line, wrestle the best guys in the world because of the way it's set up. And he had all those opportunities. He had those opportunities to go out and prove himself. And he did. How many times did he win the world championships? He's an Olympic gold medalist, he's you know multiple time bronze medalist. So he's had had those chances and I just felt like it was my time to go take that chance. And you know, right after the match, I, I went up to him and I said, Hey, thank you. I appreciate everything you've done for the sport, everything you've done for me. You've pushed me to levels that I, you know, never thought I would get to. And uh thanks. And that was it, you know, and that's just kind of the and and the way wait I a minute, Kyle. Out. And and how did he respond, please? Uh he I mean, he's just you know he stood up and that was about it he just like, kind of nodded his head and yeah
0: he was tore up but he, was, was he it wasn't like hey man good luck to you freaking that was a hell of a match it wasn't he wasn't like very congratulatory
1: yeah not not quite like that um you know it's a hard it's a hard time you know right has after he sent
0: you a card since
1: <laughs> no no I think uh, I think he, uh, he we had an interview and, you know we were trying to I was trying to sell a match I was trying to bait him into wrestling me earlier um, in the year on one of those cards. And, um, yeah. you know, we were, we were John back and forth. I think he took it pretty personally. Um, the wrestling. whole thing.
0: Really? I remember that. I remember it was right before COVID y'all were, and then it got, obviously everything became obsolete at that point.
1: Yeah. Was yeah, it going to be stuff.
0: beat the streets?
1: Uh, it was either going to be beat the streets or one of the flow wrestling cards or a rock fin card. I forget what it was going to be, but You know, I was trying, I was trying to get him to wrestle and, and, uh, he ended up not, not wrestling, ended up wrestling Chimizo and, uh, we didn't have another opportunity to compete until the trials.
0: Chimizo Uh, wrestles for Italy.
1: Yeah. He was, uh, born in Cuba, defected to Italy, trains in the U S trains in Italy back and forth. Yeah.
0: I know I got a little bit of time left with you. I want to have some fun questions, but I have one more wrestling questions. Again, thank you for doing this. You are a badass, in my opinion. I love – I can watch hours of you and David Taylor right here. If I turn this around, I got a big screen right here in this little sound, this podcast studio, and I can literally watch hours of your guys' matches. So thank you for allowing us to do that. But you have the Pan Am Games coming up in 30 days. Then you have the Olympics coming
1: up in when? August? Yep. first week, August. First week of August. Yep
0: what is your mentality like right now do is there like when i'm a baseball player i know i'm going into the yankee stadium tomorrow i know who's pitching i know who's pitching the day after i know their lineup i know their reserves okay i know their alternates that could come in do you know who you will be wrestling at this point in the pan Am games and the olympics or will the pan Am games dictate some of the olympics
1: so this week this coming week i think it's like may 6th 5th or 6th or 7th or something is the last chance qualifier So the last two spots will be filled in every weight class. And U S is actually sending one guy over there, Jordan Oliver, um, at 65 kilos, the weight class below me. Um, so as soon as that tournament's over, we'll know the whole field and we'll know who's seated, where I don't think I'll be seated. They only see the top four and then everyone else gets drawn in. So for me, and I think it's the same with David, I think for us, we're just going to be drawn in and we might have to wrestle the number one seed right off the bat, or, you know, the number four seed or whoever it is. Um, And you just got to go out and compete and and lay it out there. And For the Pan Ams, I know we have several guys who need to qualify and we'll be going to Sofia, Bulgaria, to try to take one of those last two spots. Um, When I say several guys, Pan Ams have have several people there. So I think Cuba needs needs to send a guy, uh, or maybe they don't. I forget. No, they don't. Because Franklin Gomez qualified from Puerto Rico, and then I'm pretty sure uh, Garzón qualified from Cuba. But so I don't know who's going to be there. But you know, I'll be I'll be ready to rock regardless.
0: So when you just told me that you aren't going to be seated, are you talking about the four favorites to win the Olympics? You're not going to be considered one of the top four Olympic wrestlers in that tournament.
1: So how it works is they. They have a ranking series event. So the United World Wrestling, the the governing body that runs the World Championships every year, and then works with the IOC um, to you know govern the the Olympic the Olympic movement, is they have a ranking series. So they have four tournaments plus your continental championships plus the world championships from the year before. So, and it only counts for your weight class. So because I was at 79 kilos, which is a non-Olympic weight class, I didn't get any, any points for being a world champion. Um, and Jordan, you know, so Jordan got third place points and then he had an opportunity in 2019 to go to the Pan Am game or Pan Am championships, which got him more points. Um, so I didn't have those opportunities to go and score those points for myself leading in the Olympic games. And, you know, the ranking series events, I went to one in Italy and I won that. Um, and then they've had a, a handful of others, but we have to go to the Am championships and then like a couple of weeks after there's one final ranking series event. Um, but with COVID and, you know, just like all the travel restrictions, and I didn't want to lose that time training um, leading in the Olympics, I would rather take those 14 days or however long it would be, maybe even longer, to just focus on my training and, and go out. And it <laughs> doesn't matter who I wrestle. So, um, it's not favorites, but it's definitely, uh, you know, definitely just trying to get the best guys uh, ranked at that weight class. So, if some new guy comes in, you know, c- David got hurt last year, so he couldn't get any ranking series points. David's still probably the favorite to win it. Um, he beat Yazdani, who's you know probably going to be the number one seed. And um, So anyway, I think that's, that's something that they need to work on. They should, you know, other than just making it based on points, they should probably have a committee and be like, hey, you know, David Taylor is really, really good. He probably should be the number one seed so him and Yazdani don't wrestle first round.
0: That's why I was asking.
1: Yeah. So I think David, David had to wrestle. I think he had to wrestle in 2018. yes, Donnie first round. And then he had to wrestle the Russian Karuglyev, who was probably the third best guy in the weight class. And then I think he had a Cuban who was probably the fourth best guy in the weight class. So he, he wrestled all the guys, his first run. He had a, he had a pretty awesome run that year. It was kind of cool to watch.
0: He's such a stud. All she right. New section of the podcast on the mat brought yeah. to you by Jack Daniels, Tennessee, sour mash whiskey. Always enjoy it responsibly. Never yeah. allow yeah. underage drinking. I like to sip on a Jack Daniels once in a while while I'm watching this master of disaster. Kyle Degg. throw these men, grown men around a mat like they're Skittles, like literally like a Pez dispenser of, of human beings just fly out of this dude's arms and land on their <laughs> head, their neck, their back. Um, you are. You're like a human Pez dispenser. Let's let's I'm changing your nickname. Do you Mr. Kyle Day look forward and I know you're looking at your beautiful wife in there and your kids the days of training they might come to an end someday maybe in 10 years 15 years the double days the cutting weight the 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 nutrition the 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 just putting your body through i mean it's hard to be a wrestler at this level do you look forward to mr kyle dake to having a dad bod and getting a little bit of fat on you do you ever have that mentality or you like david taylor to where you're never going to get out of shape and you're going to be a physique greek god physique the rest of your life or do you look forward to getting a little overweight david david or kyle dake
1: i don't think i'll ever be overweight i think uh you know this is so ingrained into who i am you know obviously there'll be times where i'm like all right I need to have this ice cream or whatever it is. But for the most part, I mean, I enjoy, like, I mean, I enjoy a really well, you know, well-cooked steak or, you know, just a well-cooked sandwich or, you know, uh, whatever it is. I, I just enjoy eating good food because I like feeling good. And I don't think I'll ever stop exercising because I, you know, I know if as soon as I stop doing, you know, the functional pattern stuff, I'm probably going to get in the pain. So I need to make sure I continue to, to keep myself out of pain so I don't need to worry about that so um you know I don't think I'll ever be dad bod dick I think I'm just going to continue to be this uh this physique dick
0: if it's gold medal time. You just won the gold medal in the Olympics in August. Let's say it's about August 15th, 20th. Now you're back in your home state of New York. There's a lot of good food in New York, Kyle Dake. There's a lot of Italian restaurants. You got no boo sushi. You got great steakhouses. It's got to be a cheat meal. You and your wife are going out on the town. No kids. Mom and dad got the kids for the night. Are you picking nice sushi? Are you picking Italian food? Are you a Mexican food guy loaded down with cheese? What cheat meal does kyle dake choose right after he wins the olympic gold
1: i don't know i wouldn't call it a cheat meal i just i would like to go to a really nice i would probably i think after the the olympics i'll probably fly home and we might drive down to annapolis maryland and go to Luna's steakhouse one of my teammates from college he it's his family steakhouse best steak best service best size i've ever had i'll probably end up going there and and celebrating down there with them
0: in this part of the country they're known for their crab cakes they're known for their dungeness crab do you enjoy crab meat and does your friend's restaurant steakhouse allow you to partake in the best crab eating in the world
1: i think they i i know that they do i know that they do so that'll probably definitely be something on the list but I'll probably that'll probably be my cheat meal, you know, like having a crab cake with a, a little bread in it. But normally I, I stay away from bread pasta Even after
0: the gold medal, you can't have some pasta and bread, Kyle Dick. When's your next match I, after that? It's gonna be at well, least a month. Two yeah, months. we had the
1: world we had the world championships uh two months later. So it's literally Gosh, you know, the first dang. weekend and then October, we're gonna be back at it. So you you know, you win a medal at the at the Olympic Games, you're automatically going at that weight class. So um yeah, I'm I'm you know i might have a, i might have a crab cake or two but i'm i'm really gonna enjoy that steak i'll tell
0: you what two more questions before we let mr kyle dake the great american olympic wrestler go do you ever partake in libations as an adult if you go out with your wife and it's a cheat meal will you enjoy a bottle of wine with your lovely bride red white do you like beer do you ever sip whiskey neat or on the rocks do you like a jack and coke once in a while do you party at all kyle dake <laughs>
1: I don't party at all. Um, there's only been four times in my life where I drank, and there was a, uh, it was kind of a bet that kind of rolled rolled itself into a new one. It's kind of a cool story. Um, so one of my buddies who was he was my lifting partner, he was my training partner. Uh, I'm in his wedding coming up. Uh, I think it's two months now. Um, so he, you know, he liked to go out and have a good time, and you know. But he loved being in and training. He was probably the hardest working guy that I know. And he's like, "Hey, you know, come come out with us, have a good time. You know, it'll be all right." I'm like, "No, no, no, I don't want to do it. You know, I, I don't like the taste. I don't want. I don't like the feeling. I don't like you know that loss of control. Like, I don't like any of that." And so you know, he kind of was trying to push me. He's like, "Ah, oh, it's college, blah blah blah." And uh, I was like, "No, I you know, I don't really, I'm not interested." And uh, so he goes, "All right, well." If you win nationals, you have to promise you'll do a shot of the beer with me after, you know, after you win. And I was like, all right, if this gets you to stop asking me, yeah, I'll do it. Like thinking, you know, he'll forget about it. Not a big deal. Well, as soon as I win, I get in there and I have a shot in the beer waiting for me from this guy. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I do it. And didn't I just like was like, OK, the next year. He's like, all right, well, when you win next year, two for two. And I was like, uh, so every year that I won the number of titles that I had, I had three, you know, the, my junior year, three shots, three beers, my senior, year, four shots, four beers. And that was the last time I ever touched alcohol unless I cook. But yeah, last time.
0: What do you mean? Unless you cook, you will have a glass of wine while you're cooking.
1: No, I'll, I'll, I'll reduce some red wine in, you in, know, in, in cooking in it. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. I guess I do have two and I'm letting you go. They're short. If your daughters that are lovely, grew up or if you have another boy in your in your career coming up another son a, a son i've asked many athletes in the fight game this question the toll it's taken on your body the dedication the sacrifice you got to be all in or you're not in to get to the level you're at would you promote it to them and support them i think you would support them or would there be a part of you that said look I really don't want you going into this field. I don't want to see you get beat up. I don't want to even take a chance of seeing you getting slammed or taken down. What's your mentality on, on your kids going, taking the route that their dad, Kyle Dake did.
1: Well, you know, when you're, when you're at the highest level of something, like I know wrestling, I know, I know, I know the ins and outs of it. I know everything about it. I know how tough it can be, but I also know how great it can be. I know the benefits of it. And I know how, you know, how it shaped me as a man. And I think that it, the, the benefits far outweigh the costs. And especially with what I know now and like how I can teach them, you know, I think I could, I mean, I think L Joe and, and Emmy could be absolute terrorizers out there. And, you know, I, this, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like there's a secret sauce and, you know, there's this and that, because, there's going to be times when, you know, I, for me, I, my dad was an all American and he showed me, you know, really solid technique. But when I was a kid, you know, some kids were just strong. I me. I get hit with a chin whip. I get, you know, I, so I, I would get beat sometimes and I didn't know all the situations. I, you know, it was just a learning curve, but with the stuff I know now with, with functional patterns, how much wrestling, I know all of that stuff. I feel like I could set my girls up and to have immediate success, um, you know, at whatever level they're at. And, um, so I would, I would definitely stand by them if they want to do that. My wife played, played soccer in college. So if they want to play soccer, same thing, she'll, she'll take the reins on that one. I'll be the crazy soccer dad, driving the minivan and, uh, (laughs) you know, take them to and from practice. So
0: our last question with the one and only Kyle date cauliflower ear respond the way you want, please. Is it a sign of achievement? Is it a sign of what you set out and did in your wrestling career, is it a sign for when I see somebody that has those ears, not to mess with them? Because that's what it tells me. (laughs) When I see Hendo's cauliflower ear, I'm like, I'm good, dude. Mendez, sit over there. We're good. I'll just joke around with you. Don't hit me, please. Don't throw me around. What does it mean to have cauliflower ear? And does this stay part of the 15 year down the road, Kyle Dake, or is there an operation that you can get some of the cartilage rebuilt or fixed or whatever they would do? I guess in a nutshell, Kyle Dake, do you like having cauliflower ear? And is it, is it part of who you are?
1: Mine's not that bad. You don't have it too bad. Mine are, mine are okay. Like I definitely, definitely have it in both ears, but it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty easy. I mean, it's not, I don't notice it that much. Like I'm not like running into it, you know, getting caught on everything all the time. Um, this one kind of pops out a little further. Cause I got cauliflower, like close to the base of my skull and it kind of pushed my ear out. Um, but no, I don't think I'll ever get surgery on him. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I, I saw a picture the other day. It was like this guy, he's really old guy. He was probably late nineties. Maybe he was hundred. He looked all disheveled, um, you know, wrinkly face just looked like he was a heart, you know, he'd been through the ringer and you see this guy's ears and they're just like Ugh. I'm like, that dude was a wrestler. That's <laughs> awesome. Wow. Good wow. for him. Glad he made it that far. And you know, so my goal is just, you know, I, I really most of the stuff that I do is is not typical for um, you know, a a, a warm-blooded American. They, you know, they like all their whatever. I'm really focused on, you know, just enhancing my life and and enhancing my daughter's life so i can be around for a really long time and um help them on their journey and and um hopefully influence more people and, and help those people along the way you know if they if they're dealing with pain or if they're dealing with their own personal struggle, struggles and you know they want to learn about what i you know what i know and teachers that have taught me um i think that there's a, a really awesome valuable lesson, uh, message that i have to, to pass along
0: I love it, and I can't go anywhere without asking the last question. I'm sorry. It's going to be July of 2022. You have one match left in your entire wrestling career. You just won the Olympic gold in August of 2021. You won the world championships in in October of 2021. You have one match left to wrestle. You're done after this. You might coach. You might be driving that minivan to soccer practice with your wife coaching. Who is it in history? Who do you pick? To throw down. I don't care if it's Gable, John Smith, Kenny Monday, Chill. I don't care who it is. Is it David Taylor? Is it Jordan? Who does Kyle Dake pick for that one last match? Or is it Kyle Snyder? Because you want to prove to the world that you could throw his big, his big old country butt around a little bit.
1: Well, probably. I mean, I expect Kyle to win the Olympics this year and then the World Championships too. So, you know, he would be a two-time Olympic champ. You know, he's in he's in his prime. I might as well go get him while I can't. <laughs> do my best to, you know all right put my best foot forward let's see what let's see what happens can you're I, going with can kyle I snyder i might have
0: oh, to go with kyle snyder oh i i love that you're saying that because that's what i was envisioning this whole podcast is could you literally pick that dude up and slam him with the date bomb like i don't know i don't know i've never grappled with you like i could hold my own strength wise i know you would pin me in under 30 seconds but Kyle Snyder is a beast that knows how to wrestle, and he's got that foundation that you talked about. I think that's a great match. I, I'm a pretty good promoter. I might start putting that together after the uh, World Championships.
1: We might we might have to get it done. We, you know, I'll see if uh, if Kyle's down. I'm sure he would be. He he loves wrestling. He'll wrestle anybody, anytime, anywhere. Um, so that we might have to make that happen.
0: Kyle, you're the man, bro. I, I love your message. I love the way you're living your life. It's a badass life. Congratulations on such a great career so far. I want to do this again, maybe after the Pan Ams, before the Olympics, and for sure after the Olympics, because I want to see that picture of you. Uh, maybe we can do one live when COVID settles down even a little more, and I could actually like just feel the gold medal, just see what it feels like.
1: Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for sure. Maybe
0: a duck hunt this November after the World Championships.
1: Let's go. I'm in. Turkey season's coming right up. So hopefully I can get home and, and get a couple gobblers.
0: Oh yeah. They're, uh, they're running around. I've been on several already. I've hunted in seven States and had a lot of success. I've been eating wild Turkey. Like it's going out of style.
1: Nice. God, I'm jealous.
0: That's Kyle. Day. You guys got to check him out. You girls got to check this dude out. Just watch him wrestle his mentality. What a great story. What a great college career. What a great. I don't know if this is a professional career. I love wrestlers because it's not a glorious livelihood. It's not like you're signing huge deals, but you will. It's going to transition into that because of your mentality and it's going to always be a successful life. You guys should just be paid so much more to be representing America and representing this great sport. My opinion, I know where you probably stand on that, but good on you, bro. I love watching you whip up on people. And I am going to start putting together the preliminary paperwork with my attorneys to see what it's going to take to become a, a wrestling promoter to put you on the mat with Kyle Snyder in 2022. <laughs> go. <That>
1: sounds
0: good. <laughs> I'm going to actually raise enough money to make it worth both of your time. That's what my goal is. All
1: right. Perfect. That's, that's money right there.
0: Kyle Day, Thank you, bro.
1: Thanks for having me I appreciate
0: it. That's This Life Ain't for everybody. Tom, Jake, hit that button. Thank you guys so much for the subscriptions and downloads. This is Leith Lofton singing a song called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone.
1: I'd rather be poor living off in a hole Richest hell without soul Life on earth won't last too long So what you gonna do when the money's all gone Tell me now